0: We are back. I'd like to welcome you to Truth Live Shenanigans, the live streaming podcast. After a short break, enjoying the Memorial Day weekend, it's our first show of Pride Month. So feel free to show your pride today in our comments. Woo! Patrick My name is Neo Nix, and I am definitely tags. feeling refreshed after a short vacation. We really have a really great show planned for you. Back with us. We have Mayor Patrick Wojong guest hosting the entire show with us today. He wants to talk about the Republicans banning race theory education. Lizzie wants to talk about Naomi Osaka and her choice to exit the French Open. And Robbie found a sad, sad story about the remains of over 200 children at a Canadian school. And I'll be talking about Florida's governor banning transgender girls and women from competing on female sports teams even making sure to sign it on the first day of Pride Month. And as always, we'll open the show with a quick fire and close with Shenanigans, the game show. But before we get into our show, I need to introduce you to our lovely hosts, our professor, editor, journalist, and sports avant out of Washington, D.C., Miss Lizzie Enders.
1: Hello, everyone everyone happy sunday fun day. glad to be back talking to our wonderful viewing audience but also for today happy pride month everybody Happy Pride Month, whether you are directly a part of the LGBTQ community, or if you are an ally, happy, happy, happy Pride Month, and be true to yourself. Like my shirt says, be true to yourself. Love is love, and even though you may not be in love, have the same type of love going on, it's love, and it should all be celebrated, and I think in this day and age where we have so much chaos, hate, and confusion going on, We should be happy when two adults, when two young people even, find love. So happy pride, y'all. Happy pride. Happy pride. All right. And our gamer,
0: tech guru, bona fide rock star with the rock band Fallen Machine coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario, Canada, Rob B. rock!
2: Yeah thank you thank you happy sunday fun day it's a beautiful day here today we're finally getting some summer weather uh we were lucky enough to be just out by the lake celebrating a birthday for one of our nieces today uh water's still darn cold uh but joe (laughs) joe braved it she jumped in (laughs) i think she got played by her i think she got played by her nieces on this one i really think she got played (laughs) how do it too we jumped Uh, in
0: we did this (laughs) Cool, good job, Jose. All right, and sitting in for the lovely Gianni Storm. Back again by popular demand from you and our super fan Jeanette Brown, Mayor Patrick Woyan. What's going on, Patrick?
3: Daniel, you know, good to be here. It's good to be here. I'm glad to be here. I'm especially excited to spend this uh, Pride opening Pride show uh, with you uh I, I i decked out especially for the occasion I, brought I love my, it. my 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 rainbow feather boa so nice <laughs> I love uh, it. and and i got to say so this is uh this is our first really hot day or first really hot weekend here in the dc metro and uh and it is um uh, it is hot wearing this thing <laughs> so i'm not <laughs> trying to wear it for the whole show <laughs> <laughs> you definitely have to. Uh, a couple years ago, though, I wore this for a, uh, there was a Pride 5K and I wore this uh, for that event. And I was just like dripping and covered in these little like, like. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's festive. So, and I wanted to be festive and, and uh, happy Pride, everyone. And it's good to see see you all. For those
0: that don't know, don't know, Patrick joined us a while back as a spotlight
3: guest, then as a guest
0: host during the elections. And this time he's here for the entire show. So thank you so much for coming back. Now, real quick, introduce, reintroduce yourself to our listeners. Tell them a little bit about you and, you know, what you do and things like that.
3: Sure, sure. So I'm the mayor of the city of College Park. College Park is right outside of Washington, D.C. I've been mayor for just over five years, and uh, i um I also work as a director of government relations at Rails and Trails Conservancy. So I work on advocating for for walking and biking infrastructure for trails. I'm a big outdoor enthusiast myself and a runner and, and bicyclist. Uh, and and um, it's going to be here. Thank you. So, so glad to have you. All
0: right. And also a quick reminder, be sure to check out TLS Unscripted this Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Last episode, they were asking the question, which is worse? Cheating or someone, or cheating on someone, or having an affair with someone in a relationship. So check out Unscripted Wednesdays. You can download the last episode at tlspod.com or view at tlsshow.com. Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. All right. The tongue twisters
2: is... that the girls did at the end of the show were hilarious. <laughs> oh, the tongue twisters. Oh my god, the, the, the tongue twisters were just brilliant. That that made my night when I was it watching was it
1: but, but i'm not going to let the panel off that Uh-oh. easily you know, we aren't necessarily a part of unscripted that's for our ladies gianni storm and olivia e but i want to pose the question to the panel what's worse cheating on someone or being the other person in the relationship <laughs> i say it's... cheating on
0: someone's definitely worse because there's a there's a bond of trust there Whereas you don't have, if you're the person having an affair with someone, you don't necessarily have that same bond of trust um, with, with someone. So you're not breaking that bond. So I think
2: yeah,
3: the other party is, party is breaking I, that bond. I, yeah, I would, I would say I, I agree. I think the, uh, the, the third party is, unless the third party is like, you, you, like seducing somebody to try to get them to cheat on their spouse or, or, or another. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. Well, that would be bad too, yeah but if if they're just uh, along for the ride then then um i'd say i'd say the the person doing the cheating is the more uh actually, is the remarkable yeah
1: i tend to agree with the gents today but here's my advice to um the third parties in these relationships um if you are brave enough, if you are big and bad enough to be the third party, to be the outside party in someone's relationship, just make sure you can handle the heat. Make sure you can handle it when either the spouse or the boyfriend, girlfriend on the other side steps to you because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And if you can't handle it, if you can't defend yourself, then I wouldn't do it. That's a whole lot of mess to be involved
0: that's yeah. a I see Olivia's online. She said, "Unless the third party is a family member." <laughs> that's that, yeah, that's, a of trust. That, that yeah, that's uh... it's Alabama
2: shit, man.
3: No, <laughs> <laughs> party, it's literally not a blood relative of the cheating party. That'd but... <laughs> yeah, be bad.
1: And they really need to heed my advice because that's that's gonna be some mm. fisticuffs.
0: Are <laughs> oh, you fighting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. you saying Jacqueline Robinson took your man? You'd have a problem
1: with that?
3: It's gonna make things really awkward at Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I would have a problem with that. Um, I I, I, I'm very, I, I wouldn't say territorial, but I'm very loyal. Like I'm barely oh, okay. friends with my friends' spouses, and if I am, I'm not around them. If my initial friend, if my girl or my guy, because I have male friends as well, if they are not a part of us, like I'm not just going out with somebody's husband, that's a friend of mine, just going mm-hmm. out with their husband just to hang out. Now we're not talking about whether or not I have been third party, that's a whole other conversation. However, as it relates to family members or friends, I would never cross that line. I'm I very agree. particular about that. I would never cross that line.
0: I agree. Alright, so okay, that almost sounds like our quick-fire question, but (laughs) (laughs) we actually have a quick-fire question, so let's get to it. Alright, so Tiffany Haddish has been tapped to produce and star in a biopic about the legendary fastest woman, Flojo, Florence Griffith Joyner, who still holds the record to this day. So guys, what are your thoughts on Haddish as Flojo? Mayor Patrick.
3: Oh, you had to start with me, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so, so you know, I'm the type of guy. I, I don't know. If we're supposed to do this quick. I'm the type of guy that if um if I were on Jeopardy, the last pick category that I would pick would be the pop culture category. So <laughs> I, I gotta admit, until uh now, I've never really heard of Tiffany Haddish. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> I I, if I looked her up on Wikipedia. I think she's got some great. Um, um, credentials. I'm sure she's a great actress.
0: But... <laughs> All right, Robin,
3: no no, I no comments on this.
0: She,
2: she's a producer for, for the movie. So, oh so my I my mean, God, you go, yeah. girl. If I'm producing an album, guess who's going to be fronting vocals? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Lizzie Anders.
1: Flo, Joe, I say to Tiffany Haddish, Flo, no. No. flow no. <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 no.
0: no I personally think it's a perfect pick, but Haddish better call up some Sean T or somebody for insanity or some T ninety X. I mean, just saying, you're gonna do have to work out a little bit because FloJo was tight. (laughs) A little bit, damn, yeah. A little bit.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. work out a little bit. Okay, a lot of it. That's why I said
0: insanity. (laughs) There's
1: there's so much, in my opinion. Again, I'm not necessarily a fan of Tiffany Haddish, but that's neither here nor there. We know that. It's it's about applying or putting in the person who is best likely to represent the headliner the 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 subject of the piece and at the time when flojo won three gold medals in the Seoul olympics in 1988 she was 28 years old tiffany haddish right now is 41. She was probably, Flojo, the most fit woman on the planet. She was pretty fit. Yeah, nowhere near that. And I'm not just talking about her physique. I'm also talking about track form. Like, are they just going to, you know, substitute, like, images of Flojo for when she's actually competing, when she's actually running, when she's actually breaking, you know, Olympic records, world records, or what have you? Um, there, there would... Other people that could have played this part, so Neil, do you have the clips or the the picture, the picture I, yep. <laughs> so this so this is Queen Harrison Clay, she is a former olympian olympian she took part in the two thousand eight Olympics for the United States. She is a hurdler and a sprinter. now you tell me she doesn't resemble Flo Jeff she
2: does yeah but. Can it she act?
1: That's what I'm going to say. That's my but, but, point. The, the I first
2: mean, there's much more Can to...
1: you act? But, but, but can Tiffany run? Can Tiffany run? But she don't have to somebody? run. She doesn't have to run. run. She, run. Run. But does she, she have just has
3: to, have to act like she can run.
1: <laughs> <You're> right. <Yeah. laughs> <Didn't you? laughs> well, she have those I can act right?
3: like I can run. No. <laughs>
1: yeah patrick that's not going to get you the part
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows we're how it's going patrick, to be look, shot
1: patrick could do flojo
2: we're oh, still going <laughs> to try it out but you know it's uh, i sorry <laughs> who knows how the look story is going to be built
0: how it's well, going to be playing out
1: What about flojo really didn't run the hurdles does that not look like her
0: well she could use a body double this she could fit in. harrison could fit in for a body double
1: why use a body double when when you could just use someone who is more apt, more appropriate to play the part? We don't body know this because body, that body
2: doubles are paid to look a certain way. Actors are paid to play a part.
1: Okay, but let me—I was going to get to that. So we're saying that Tiffany Haddish is a great actress.
0: I wasn't. Who's saying I am not saying that Tiffany Haddish. That's had not what a I was. Saying. She's, a, she's she's no, she's she's, no, she's, she's got her. She got her, she's she's not her style. Not
1: athlete. Could act the part of FloJo way better than Tiffany Haddish. She,
3: she's well typed. Her, her,
1: her, her Wikipedia.
3: Only- I will say her Wikipedia entry, which is the only thing I know her by, does say that she um, that does that, that she got a, a primetime Emmy award for her performance on Saturday Night Live. So, ah. um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> those
3: are credentials.
0: Those are credentials, right there. <laughs>
3: Okay, and she's okay. only the second woman, uh, Black woman to get a Grammy for a comedy album, the first being Whoopi Goldberg. So,
1: but, so
0: you know. Fred, it's on the wiki. Fred Hargrove, says, <laughs> don't hate on Tiffany. If this isn't going to be a comedy. At least I hope it's not going to be
1: a comedy.
0: Yeah. Um, so no, but
1: Tiffany's
2: asking. been training for a year already. She has shed 50 pounds. She has changed the way that she eats. If she's working with the studio trainers and the team of nutritionists... You know they're not shooting okay, until November. She care. still has many months to get into the shape that she needs Ten to be in.
1: FloJo trained at least for 20 years. At least well, uh, she's have,
0: not gonna look exactly like Flojo. Yeah. I mean, she's asking we too much for her to look who's exactly to like to that Flo equivalent. Jo. We're not gonna get The Rock to play oh, no. Flojo,
1: he's the <laughs> training right.
2: years. Like,
1: because yeah. is the producer and she uh, elected herself to play this part, it suggests that they didn't even consider any other actresses. Well,
0: I'm just saying, okay,
1: I'm
0: just, I'm personally, I'm just glad that they're getting the story out because. I love flo jo and we really haven't, I don't even think there's a biopic on flo mm-hmm. Not even like a lifetime biopic or something. I, I,
3: but I agree with that. I, I remember cheering flo jo on when, when, when I was a kid in the Olympics, you know, watching the Olympics and cheering her on, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm yeah. passionate about this one because like Neo said, you know, we are flo jo fans. We come a fan. flo, flo mm-hmm. indirectly, in her death, saved my life. And so I want this story to be told the best way that it can be told. And I, you know, what I'm not rooting against Tiffany, but I'm saying I think there could have been better options out there all around. I think um, is
0: a, I think one reason Haddish is a good choice is because you know this generation has a connection to her, and they're more likely to watch and be interested in FloJo's story in general. Just because put
1: her in, mm-hmm. then put her in as FloJo's PR person or
0: something like that. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't guy think, guy. think it's a bad pick. I don't think it's a it bad.
1: Like, you know, if they had
0: gotten someone
1: to play Billie Holiday, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but part. they've
0: done that plenty it's of good. times, and it's worked in some cases. They just, you know. It's, yeah, it's different. When, right. you
1: it's different right. when you have support.
0: All right, so we gotta get. We gotta move on. That was that was a good. That was our quick fire. So. No. No. <laughs> So, no Tiffany Haddish from Lizzie. Everybody else is okay with All right. All right. So, let me get on, to the, let's get on to the main topics. If you've never been to TLS before, let me tell you a bit about us. Each week, our hosts bring us topics in the news they want to discuss. That host will tell everybody what's going on. And our lovely panel will chat about it for a bit, sharing their unique points of view on the issue until we see our friend, Genji. Celebrating Pride Month, and that's when we know time is up. And it's time to hear from you. We'll take your online comments and questions. At the very end, we'll simply ask our panel to see if they think this was truth, lies, or shenanigans. Our podcast listeners on Apple Podcasts, don't forget you can join in the conversation live every Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. We stream on all major platforms: YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Find us at TLS Live Show or TLS Show. Dot com so let's get right into it Lies,
2: shenanigans
0: let's start out with lizzie today this was one of the hottest topics of the week naomi osaka quit the tournament tell us what happened lizzie
1: so uh last week on May 26, um, Naomi Osaka, who is the current number two women's player, tennis player in the world. She won her first match in at the French Open, which is played on a play surface. But before the tournament even began, on May 26, she announced on her social media channels that she would not be doing press conferences at the French Open. Now, for those of you who don't know, for most athletes, professional athletes in at least America, not for necessarily what the rules are internationally, um, except for tennis, but in America and for tennis, it is required at these tournaments that you make yourself available to the press after your match whether you win or lose this is something that you sign in your contract this is something that every athlete is aware of and it is noted in your contract that if you do not show up for the press conference that you will be fined so naomi decided that she did not want to participate um in the press conference portion of the french open if she won or lost her matches and again she won her first match and that she would be willing to accept the fines saying that she was citing um, mental anguish, mental distress, um, depression from her interactions with the media and the types of questions that they have been asking her since the 2000, I believe 2018 um, U.S. Open. So my question to, actually, I think it was 2016, my my numbers are a little off. So my question to the panel is first and foremost, because like Neo said, this has been a hot topic over the past week and a half. I've had to talk about it a lot. I've had to explain about it, explain a lot about it to um, friends, family, people online, because I am a sports journalist. I was the tennis editor at Sports Illustrated. So I know firsthand both sides of the argument with this. But I'm curious just for the panel just in hearing that she dropped out of the tournament because um, she didn't wanna do the press conference. Well, first she announced that she was not gonna do the press conferences. Then the French Open, along with the three other Grand Slams, the Australian Open, Wimbledon, which is in two weeks, and the US Open, sided with the French Open and said, not only would she be subjected to fines, but she could face a default for any match if she decided that she would not participate in the press conferences. So my question to the panel is, as a result of Naomi um, withdrawing what she got from the tournament, from the French Open, what she got that announcement um, from the French Open, what are your impressions? What do you think about this controversy? Let's start with Robbie.
2: I applaud her for stepping away from the tournament and prioritizing her mental health. Um, I believe that her trainers moving forward need to help develop her game uh, on the court. And they also need to recognize that she has these social anxieties and these pressures uh, that are part of her reality. Um, Like you said, Liz, they are contractually obligated, and that's in several sports, um, like in most of the sports that I can think of. If you're not doing the press conference after the fact, you're getting dinged. If you're going to sit there and be stone-faced and and quiet, you're getting dinged. Um, If you're not able to fill all of your work duties, then you're unfit for work. So again, I applaud her for walking away. Uh, the interviews are part of the interview. It helps with the endorsements, public relations, all of the, the media presentation. And if she can't fulfill the conditions of competition at that level, then she needs to maybe consider stepping back and playing at a level where they don't have those requirements of her. Um, but I'm glad that she's addressing it and she's making it public. I also agree with the venues and the media outlets for standing firm as far as what they have to offer as a product. Unfortunately, entertainers, uh sports figures end up being commodities more than people and that's something mm. that you have to know when you enter that world. Interesting.
1: And that's why you get paid. That's why you get paid. That's why and you that's, get paid. Yeah. yeah. Osaka is the highest paid female athlete in the world at this point. Last oh. year in 2020, even during the pandemic, she made fifty over fifty five million dollars from she won the u s open um, back in September she won the Australian Open this year and so money not just from those two tournaments but also from endorsements so there's a lot that goes on in her requirements Patrick, what do you have to say
3: I'm going to take a little bit of a different take on this because um, because the first question that comes to my mind is what 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 does Is she paid because she's a good tennis player and one of the top tennis players in the world or is she played because she's uh because she's going on on tv and 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 doing press conferences and 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 shouldn't somebody be able to if they're a really really top of the top of the top tier tennis player uh and 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 but she has you know it seems to be a disability mental mental health uh, issue that prevents her from from social anxiety you know the mental health issue uh, that prevents her from going on on tv and doing these interviews and dealing with the stress of that so so why what does that I, I understand you know they they have to make money of course but but why should she have to i mean she's made They're make she's people she's making money because people watch wimbledon and people watch her play uh, uh what what does going on tv and answering questions from reporters have to do with the being a uh, yeah, a top edge
1: player. And so, again, as a member of the media, my qu- my answer to that is, first and foremost, most of the press conferences that are done for all of these sports aren't broadcast on television. The purpose of the press conference, yeah, you get snippets for, you know, highlights for ESPN, or local news, um, to hype the tournament, promote the tournament, or whatever, but the main purpose of the press conference is so that, a media person a journalist like myself can do our work so we can ask these athletes questions so we can write stories um and, and in a, in addition to hyping up the tournament or the event mm-hmm. and so I, I get what your point is on one side but on the flip side the, the average press conference for all of these sports is not broadcast it's so but people the, can get there and do their work but the, And they patrick's point can, If
0: someone wants to compete why can't they just compete i think that's what he's asking why can't you just just
1: okay if you want to compete though then don't compete in my tournament because (laughs) these are the rules of my tournament and they have been explained to you before you step foot on my tournament soil i guess
3: why are those why are those the rules though I mean, why why does somebody have to answer questions because of, uh, press without
2: the media outlets in a press conference to share format, the con- I mean, without the media outlet outlets to share the content to share these stories with us, then we're not tuning in to watch it. We don't know what's going on. We always crave those stories. We want to have our heroes to be humanized. We crave it, and they are. It's a brand thing. Um, As a musician, I can't record something and then say, well, I don't want to hear any any of the criticism. I I don't want to hear any of the criticism. I can't hide from that because it's part and parcel of it. If you are going to be competing at that level of competition, if you miss a half step, if you wear the wrong thing, People are going to be all over you, and you have to accept that as part of competing at that and level. And she'll get and that criticism regardless.
3: That regardless, yeah. I mean, she'll get that criticism regardless, and and that's I don't think this is a matter of her not wanting to be exposed to criticism. I think it, from what I read, she she doesn't she doesn't yeah, like being awesome. in that sort of quick fire atmosphere where where people are throwing questions at her. And I that, you know that I can kind of understand. Now uh, there's got maybe maybe there's I wonder if there's a different is there a different way to do it? Can can they give her questions in writing? Uh, and have her respond to those questions in writing. I mean, is it, is it, is it, they have to, I mean, and it's worth why not? Considering I mean,
0: the situation, I mean, that she's in, I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with Patrick, but I hear what he's saying. <laughs> um, you know, it's worth considering alternatives, giving the situation that she is, especially if you are dealing with someone who has um, a, a mental disorder, or not a mental disorder, but some type of disorder, such as depression or something like that. Maybe you do take that into account and find a way to resolve that situation, because it is becoming relatively common, which again, leads further into my point, but I'll get to my point once we kind of talk. this.
1: And so I'll give you that because truth be told, so when I worked for Sports Illustrated, not only did I cover, you know, tennis, but my first two beats were college football and, and the NBA. And I covered the NBA more fervently than I covered college football. So I was at games at least two or three times a week, In the locker room. I can guarantee you, the reporters don't want to be there either. This isn't something, this isn't a setup that is put together necessarily by the media. It's the leagues also that put these things together. And so, even though, yes, I was a young female reporter, young woman, I think I was what, 23 when I first started doing locker room duty. Of course, it was very intimidating to me. I did not want to be there. I had some incidents, you know, between myself and other, um, male journalists, but also between myself and a- other athletes that I had to report to the league because they were inappropriate. You know, I had a jockstrap thrown at me. I had, you know, um, things said to me that I, can- I will not repeat here, but we didn't want to be there either. But that's w- that was what we were given. And so I couldn't go back to Sports Illustrated and say, I'm not going to do locker room duty. I don't want this because I knew that going in and I knew that that was the expectation for me. But my question is, because I understand what you're saying, Patrick, and I do think that there needs to be uh, maybe a conversation about how we can change this, about how we can make the rules for media and press conferences more athlete friendly. However, when did Naomi or her people, because I'm going to put this more on her people. Than mm-hmm. I am on her. Okay. But when did her people give the French Open the opportunity to respond to this? Again, she never wrote them a letter. They never called the officials at the, at the French Open. She released this statement on social media. Last time I checked, when you were in a business contract with a company, when you were making, you know, mil- potentially making millions of dollars with a company for a contract that you have, you have a conversation. You don't announce it on social put media in you actually talk to the people, the business people that are involved in this contract. And like Rob said, she has PR people. She has a medical team, a medical staff. How is it that she showed up in Paris? And not even just in Paris because she played, if I'm not mistaken, she played in the Parma tournament in Italy the week before the French Open started, lost in the first round. And she played in the Italian Open in Rome the week before that, lost in the first round. So her confidence, no lie, her confidence was definitely down. But if you're a part of her team and you know this, and you know she's having these issues, why do you have her there? That's that's
0: probably why? the point I'm, I'm trying, I was going yeah. to make I just want to make, I want to read before I get to what I was going to say. So Daria Winner, I think, is agreeing with Patrick or in Patrick's corner. So. She says, why is she paid? Why do we expect athletes not to be affected by the pandemic? She has done press conferences prior to the pandemic. Um, why is this unrelated? The questions are not well. The question not related to the media questions by and large, question mark. Why are these challenges not taken seriously about behavior post pandemic that allow for modifications? Sometimes the medical condition produces unexpected behaviors.
1: But how is the tournament supposed to know about her needs? medically if she doesn't make them aware of that like she never said well, anything she, about that beforehand. she did, did she like, did
3: i thought she said something um sorry i thought she said something at the beginning of this that she she the reason why she couldn't participate in the in the uh in the in the press conferences was that she said she had some sort of social anxiety i mean it wasn't just she communicated that to the to the french open folks didn't she
1: she communicated that in her statement, her social media statement. There was never a conversation between her people. and the French open. Open. They, they even mm-hmm. acknowledged after the fact that when they first found out about it, um, that she was pulling out. Not necessarily that she didn't like to do press conferences, because I don't think many athletes like to do press conferences. But when they found out that she had said that she was going to pull out of the press conferences, that they reached out to her. They reached out to her PRT and again I'm putting this on her PR people, her agent, her manager, whatever. They reached out to them and was met with radio silence. And so then that's when they released the statement saying, Okay, She's not only are you it. gonna be fined, but you could potentially be defaulted for if you show up to the next match and you happen to win, we're gonna default you. Yeah. Um so mm-hmm. she never gave the opportunity to sit down and work with her and figure out what's going on. And let me just say, before you get back into it, Neo, let me just say, she's not the only player on the tour that has talked about their mental health issues. The current number one player in women's tennis, Ash Barty, she took 18 months off of the tour to deal with her depression and anxiety. The number two player, Davi Medvedev, he travels with the sports psychologist. He talked about in the past week because up until this week, he's been shitty on play. He's been winning. He just won today, so he's doing fairly well. But up until this week, he had a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. He travels with his sports psychologist. There are several tennis athletes because it's an individual sport. All you have is you and your coach and your trainer. So a lot of these players travel with sports psychologists. So, again, my question is to Naomi's people. Why didn't you take care of her before it got to this fever pitch? So I agree with what I
0: agree with. Um, I, I'm kind of. I gotta admit, I, I'm kind of in Lizzie and Robbie's corner on this one, um, and they have differing points of view too. But I'm I'm wondering. Like, uh, part of my concern is that I feel like we're overlabeling um, mental anxiety and disorders because I, I feel like, as someone who has been depressed at times, been sad, been um, dealt with confidence issues. Um, So a lot of it's normal. I feel like it's normal. This is normal, um, you know, it's normal to be anxious. I'm anxious all the time. I'm anxious half the time when we start this show. I mean, these are (laughs) normal human emotions, you know, and we all deal with it and I feel like sometimes I feel like we and I'm wondering how you guys feel. I feel like we're over labeling. I think we're, you know, and, and another thing, when we look at elite players, one of the things I've always admired about elite players is, you know, where I lack confidence sometimes and I don't do well at sports or some things because sometimes I'm just having a bad day or I'm feeling down. The elite players, I kind of admire the fact that they're able to overcome those lack of confidence issues or those, mm-hmm. you know, they go out there and every game they're, whoosh, shooting shoot shots or hitting the balls like crazy. And they're like, and that was what makes them elite because they're able to overcome what's normal to us. The anxiousness, the lack of confidence, the depression. I I was depressed on my
2: birthday.
0: (laughs) I mean,
3: I I think there's, I I, I think there's differences between your garden level anxiety that we all feel. And there's and there's social anxiety that rises to a level that that can be very crippling and there's depression that can rise to a level that can be very crippling. Absolutely. We don't know and what name. I, I,
0: I just want to reiterate, I just want to say, I definitely understand that there are spe- spectrums. So there are different people. People are yeah. depressed, clinically depressed and things like that. I'm not discounting that. But I think some mm-hmm. of what we're dealing with here is normal.
2: Okay. yeah because when they're talking about her social anxiety let me, let me like i'm sorry i
0: cut him off let me just let him get in
3: all right, all right I, I, I mean i i just don't think we know that i i i think she said she can't do it because of of social anxiety we i think to some extent we have to give unless we know her medical you know diagnosis or medical history we have to give her a little bit the benefit of the doubt to say that 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 it, it does prevent her from from being in this at this atmosphere
2: yeah That's because what it was saying in the articles is that the big thing that she was having uh, issues with is the sports journalists were questioning her ability to play on a clay surface because she's had weaker results there. And as a result of being questioned on it, it instilled doubt in her. Well, that's part of the game. It, if you to, it's a team sport, your own teammates are going to chirp on you. But because this is an individual sport, you don't have those supports. So if you're making $50 million a year, travel with a psychologist who's going to help you perform at that level and stay healthy. Because, I mean, look or, at individual not sports. do it if you're, if you're not look healthy, at t- Tiger's not, not, not a mentally healthy person. He would really benefit from having a sports psychologist. But he would have benefited from that rather than have
1: his dad. And listen, I'm not saying I don't believe any of what Naomi is feeling or what she has gone yeah. through, anything about her anxiety or her depression. Because
0: she's what mentioned it, this isn't the first time she's mentioned it. She's she's talked about it.
1: What yeah. I'm saying is is that her team yes. bears and I agree some responsibility with the team. for this. They failed her. And I think I think Fred Hargrove asked, you know, why do we think that she made the the announcement on social media versus you know meeting with the french open i think that's what young people do these days you know they flex on social media versus sitting down and having a conversation and that when you're dealing with a business because remember sports is a business it's an entertainment business when you're dealing with the business and you're dealing with millions billions of dollars you can't just, you know, make your claims, you know, talk to your social media audience and think that that's okay. Like you have to, just like you sat down and had that, you know, um, worked out the parameters of your contract and how much you're gonna get paid. You have to do that when something is wrong. And if she needs help, and I, I do think that she does, at least some assistance, at least some guidance into how to deal with this, because this is a very lonely sport. It's a very lonely sport but no one can help you if you don't make that known to people. Like you have to let us help, help us help you. And so that's why, and again, a little bit, you know, I'm a journalist and so kind of take offense a little bit, but more importantly, I want, I don't want Naomi to come out of this feeling like the villain here. Yeah, I think she has yeah. adults around her who could have handled this better for her and they didn't now she's got she's an
0: adult though we, we don't want to act like she's not an adult
1: but she's not like she's an adult, she's an adult who's, but she's an adult who's used to just dealing with playing tennis that's why she hires an agent that's why she has a manager that's why she has a training staff
0: so i'm looking at the I comments want, on okay
1: i was just gonna say i want her to pay attention to the fact that this wasn't just the french open like the the all four grand slams locked down and was like, we're not having that. Like you at least have to have a conversation with us. Yeah, You at least have to talk to us and let us what's, let us know what's going on.
0: So I, it, it does sound like um, most of our, our audience is in agreement with Patrick. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, so Olivia points out depression and sadness is different. It is. And I'm not saying it's not. So I'm not trying to. Differentiate that. I'm just saying. I think a lot of what we're dealing with is a lot of what we see is a little more normal than we are treating it right now. Uh, but anyway,
1: exactly. Uh, and and so Daria just asked if we know what clinical depression is. Well, I definitely know.
0: Yeah, clinical um, depression have... is clinical. Yeah, that's a, that's a definite disorder.
1: Um, but the, the point is, no one is going to know if you are clinically depressed if you don't if you don't advocate for yourself or your team like you have a team like i would honestly i would fire if i were naomi osaka right now i would fire my entire team my pr team my medical team because they did not treat her and handle this in a way that was to her advantage and so now we don't know she played um so the french open ends this sunday Right after the French Open, the grass court season starts. So grass court t- tournaments start. She pulled out of the, the subsequent grass court tournament um, before Wimbledon that was supposed to be, that is in Germany. So she's not going to play in that tournament. I mean, you know, the British press is brutal. It's brutal. Way worse than the French press. And so it begs the question, Is she? are they going to have her mentally ready to get to Wimbledon? Because okay. well, we're going to
0: we're gonna have to move on from this one. Let me just get a couple more comments in. Uh, Fred Hargrove says, agree with Lizzie about the team. Curious for uh curious about if her team advised on the post. Uh, Ephraim says, I agree. She let people know how she feels, just don't say or, so they can read her mind. Um, and Daria, Okay, so Jacqueline Robson points out, there's a difference between normal situational anxiety and depression and clinical diagnosis anxiety disorders yes yes absolutely agree and know that um but again i do still feel like we are normalizing some we are we are labeling some of these things as clinically depressed or depression when it is just simply normal that we uh, i just feel like i
1: just feel like
0: confidence and things like that that's
1: even if it's just confidence or something that involves anxiety, you and it's not clinical depression, but that's to you, Neo. You're not out in front of on center court playing tennis. And so if if a young tennis player, a young athlete, a young basketball, football, if they need something, someone to get them just through that, (laughs) it's not clinical depression, but just that anxiety hire someone to help them that's yeah. your job as a and they partner. do have yeah.
0: funds to do that in the someone yeah well i didn't but i could I'd probably be a star basketball player if i could figure out could have figured out my confidence issues so cool.
3: Yeah. I will say, I do think that there needs to be a back and forth here and they, they should come up with a solution. Uh, that's how, and I, I represented people with disabilities, particularly people with mental illness for many years in, in, in the DC mental health system. And that's how when you when you need an accommodation for something like anxiety, you, you make a request for it, you you sit down and you work something out. And that's probably what should be happening here that's yeah. probably not.
0: I think there should be some consideration for it. I mean, I'm going back to what Patrick said. I, I do do think there should be some consideration for mental health of athletes with these tournaments and and, and big business. Um, but we got to move on. So let's, let's go ahead and move on. All right. Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right, guys. So Rob B., you found a horrific story about the remains of kids found at a school up in Canada. Tell us all about it
2: yeah so on may 28th uh, news agencies began reporting on the remains of 215 children uh, some as young as three years old having been found buried on the site of what was canada's largest indigenous residential school uh, the kamloops residential school in bc uh, in british columbia which ran from 1893 to 1978. Um, this is and residential schools we're just it was a horrible situation um they suspect that more bodies may be found uh, because there are some areas that still remain to be searched and they are using ground penetrating radar to assist the search so for those of you who don't know residential schools were government-sponsored religious schools that were established to assimilate indigenous children into euro-canadian culture oh, so residential schools were created by christian churches and the canadian government as an attempt to both educate Can convert Indigenous youth and to assimilate them into Canadian society. So
0: they were trying to convert natives to Canadians or English? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um,
2: So, however, the schools really ended up disrupting the lives and communities, causing long term problems uh, among Indigenous peoples. Uh, The schools ran from circa 1833 to 1997, the last one closed in 97. Um, The Indigenous The Indian Residential Schools Settlement Agreement has recognized that 139 of these residential schools existed across Canada. At its peak in 1931, there were about 80 schools operating in the country. So the announcement has understandably sparked outrage across our nation. Uh, Flags have been flying at half-mast. People have been laying hundreds of tiny shoes and toys in public squares, places of government, um, on the steps of churches to... to reference the role that Christian churches played uh, in this extermination, this horrible, despicable act. Um, During an interview with Global News, uh, Shirley Williams, a survivor said, uh, she was quoted as saying, they hid the bodies, even though they were nuns and priests and things like that, you know, they did things that were not proper. And there are hundreds of accounts of survivors from from these residential schools torture, cruelty, severe and unusual punishment, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, murder. And a lot of the times when these things were reported, law agencies became complicit with the reports. There was nothing to report. Okay, it was just another missing kid. Uh, no, No charges are going to be pressed. So now there's a small coalition of more than a dozen lawyers across Canada that have formally requested that the International Criminal Court investigate the Canadian government and the Vatican for crimes against humanity, following preliminary reports about the remains of the children. Um, And if this happens, the investigation could lead to the prosecution of employees, agents and actors of the Catholic Church, the government of Canada, who were either involved in the creation and cover up of the burial grounds um, and that's it, that the survivors are coming forward. The Vancouver Archbishop uh, issued a formal apology to the First Nations people uh, after the preliminary findings uh, of the, after the bodies were initially found. Pope Francis has met with both Vatican-based Canadian Cardinals um, on Saturday to discuss this, but we really haven't heard from the Pope on it. Uh, many Canadians have called on the Pope for a formal apology for the catholic church's role in the residential schools and yeah i guess pope francis was elected in 2013 he's already apologized for the church's role in colonialism in the americas but he hasn't addressed the residential schools and he usually does these apologies during papal visits and no papal visits are on the calendar as it stands in canada at, at this time um so June is Pride Month, but it also in Canada at uh, the month of June is National Indigenous History Month. So it's, uh, it's important to be discussing this also today. So I really, I want your reactions, your opinions, uh, recommendations for the federal government, religious leaders on reparations, because this story made me feel gross as a Canadian. Typically, you know, I say I'm Canadian and there's a good feeling with that because we've had a relatively good reputation internationally. And this is a huge blemish. This is. It's heinous, it's it's reprehensible, it's completely ethically bankrupt. So I'm just i I'm I'm personally at a loss in just dealing with this. So I'm looking to you for your reactions, your opinions and recommendations you would have for people that are dealing with it or the governments and the church.
0: Let's start with Liz.
1: I think this is a perfect example of, again, why I don't really um, care about apologies too much. I think as it relates to evil acts, criminal acts in our society, the justice system, governments, they think that, okay, if I offer an apology, if I give out thoughts and prayers, that'll make everything okay. Without changing policies, without being more strict when it comes to punishment and holding people accountable for these things. I mean, again, we're talking about, you know, Catholic church, we're talking about religion. We're talking about, you know, a group of people that in this particular case, not only because I'm sure that there not only was the murder of these children involved, but also some type of sexual abuse and Uh no one being held accountable for that. Like, if if this were my child, or if I'm that child who is in that you know situation, what the fuck is an apology gonna do for me? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so this is why I think you know. We need to start holding not just the 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 accusers, the the suspects, the criminals accountable, but we also need to start holding law enforcement and governments accountable to get them to see that these acts are serious and there needs to be serious consequences, especially for, you know, vile and and violent acts that are perpetrated against children, children across the board whether it's in the United States or Canada, throughout the world. Children have no rights. They have no rights whatsoever. And so in situations like this, it's just like, okay, uh, you know, we're sorry. We found 200 and X number of bodies. Let's just keep it under the rug. That was awful. All right, let's move on. And I I agree with what there needs to be, you know, accountability. There needs to be, you know, uh, more laws and punishment enacted, but there also needs to be some type of compensation. Because in this day and age, the only way to get people to pay attention is you either put them in jail or you get them in their pockets. So now it's time we we need to start going into people's pockets. So you're talking reparations. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mayor Patrick,
3: yeah, uh, well, absolutely. I, I, I agree with Lizzie on this one. Uh, the um, and it, what struck me about reading this article is that it, it, the parallels between what I'm going to be talking about in a little bit, the the whole situation with 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 uh, the history of uh, race relations in the United States, and really just the 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 seeming inab- inability or unwillingness um, for, uh, to reckon with the past. In a way that that acknowledges the horrible things that have been done to certain groups of people, and to come to a way to to to, to deal with that that acknowledges that, that not just acknowledges it but goes goes beyond it and 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 redresses it and comes up with with a way to resolve it and and to pursue you know restorative justice uh, and and uh, uh, pursue remedies that that can make right what happened in the future to the greatest extent in the past to the greatest extent possible and 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 it may it may there are some things that that are so horrible that you can never fully redress but there, but something needs to be done to to to, to uh, you know, look at these 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 families these people who lost their children and whose mm-hmm. whose whose children are never coming coming home again where are these families now they're there are probably still people dealing with this loss that has been unacknowledged and and un 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 uh, um, uh, un unaddressed by the Canadian government, just like in, with in the United States, with with what's happened in our in our history to native to, to, to indigenous peoples, to to uh, uh, to to the African American community, to 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 um, racial minorities throughout our history, that we just haven't been able to come come to terms with in any sort of appropriate way or adequate way. Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, again, you know how I feel about
0: kids. So when I saw the story, it definitely saddened me. I mean, 215 bodies of children. And I mean, they anticipate and... finding
2: more. And this is at just one site. It, they are going to be... Are, I'm, at this point, they're going to be revisiting all of the residential school sites to see if they have similar findings because there are numerous accounts of... one of the more heartbreaking stories i read was from a man who's now in his 70s recounting when he was a child going out with friend and from the school and a nun down to the hillside to dig holes to bury two of their classmates no ceremony there was nobody crying there was nobody speaking and they just dug these graves buried the bodies and went back to the school and he wishes that he remembers where these bodies were, but this is the 215 is, that's just the first number.
1: No, I mean, I agree with when you. I, I think, that, yeah, just, that's just a small number that, that doesn't even, you know, begin to open up all of the atrocities that were done
0: here. Yeah. When I, when I hear stories like that, and, you know, I put myself in those situations and I can imagine just like what that must have been like. And it just seems so horrible to be a child caught up in that situation, to even see those atrocities, to see things like that happening. And I mean, it after just, having been removed from your home so that
2: you could be taught how to behave in society, yeah, it
0: just the most it, vulnerable, the yeah, most
1: vulnerable
0: people who yeah. can't speak to free, speak for themselves, can't do anything about it. And that, that's a, that's the reason. That's the reason it bothers me with kids because it's like. You can't do anything. I remember when I was a child going through tough situations, I felt powerless. I was like, I can't, I can't fix this. I can't, you know, And even today I'm a, I try to be a fixer. I try to problem solve and fix things. And back then I was, I know I was a similar, similar, and and there was nothing I could do. I couldn't get out of the situation. I couldn't remove myself from the situation. I couldn't remove my brother and sister from the situation. I couldn't do anything. And I can't imagine with these particular kids, because I've always felt that even though my situation was tough, there's people in worse situations than me, than I went through and have dealt with way worse than I have. And I can't even imagine what that's like. And I mean,
1: I just. But you know what else is also a part of this um, panel is that Hollywood has made a lot of money off of stories like this. Because Rob, like Rob said, this isn't the first story; won't be the last. It's not just happening in Canada. It's definitely happened, you know, a thousand times over in the United States. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Sleepers um, from the late late nineties, early two mm-hmm. thousands. Um, I know, I have seen it, but it was about this particular topic. Brad Pitt was in it. Um, I can't remember. Oh
0: no, no, I did watch it. I know what you're talking about. I think uh, De Niro was in it. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, so I, I did about watch Young boys being abused in the Catholic Church. Know, in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. when they were, you know, sent to their priests mm-hmm. for direction, for instruction, for mm-hmm. mentorship,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yeah. so Hollywood's also made a lot of money off of stories like this. We know it's happening, but no one's doing, doing anything. anything about it. All right, well, we're it's running
0: out of time, so let's get to the comments real quick. So Jose says, "Absolutely shameful." Um. Notice these atrocities. Uh, this is Jacqueline Robinson. Notice these atrocities typically happen to populations that aren't in a position to advocate for themselves and are powerless. Yep. Yeah. Um I see. What is it? Uh Olivia says, What but what, what atonement that's what atonement is acknowledging and changing. Um let's see. Uh Olivia said, We love you, Neo. P. S, your brother and sister. <laughs> uh sleepers incredible movie says jose um this may be an unpopular because olivia may be an unpopular because we think about all those aborted babies that have no rights either to take children um so all right we're gonna (laughs) unfortunately not does anybody want to comment on anything uh any of those so
2: i just want to make one last comment i really appreciated everything that you had to share and to segue into patrick's segment i really wish that Residential schools had been a part of my curriculum because Mm -hmm. this isn't some, this is something we've only been talking about as a nation for the last decade or so. And if I would have known about the struggles of Indigenous people in my youth as part of my formal education, it would have changed me as a person early in life. I would not have bought into what I was hearing from society, from my peers. I would have actually connected with the culture because all I was taught about indigenous peoples was that the Europeans came and they were savages that they traded fur and foods with, and that they taught us how to survive off the land. And that was pretty much the extent of what we learned about the indigenous tribes that were here prior to European settlement. Shameful, we we need to hear what actually happened. Real history makes you squeamish because real history is ugly because humans can be really ugly.
1: Well, it's mean, similar here. I mean, if you look at, you know, former Senator Rick Santorum and why he was fired from let go from CNN, it was because of his comments that he made about Native American people and how they had not contributed to, you know, American society, um, to the United States of America and how we can that um, Europeans came here and that the country was a blank slate. And we, the Europeans, were responsible right. for current day America. I mean, that's kind of what we're taught here. Uh, there's no, or, or like you said, segueing into both Neo and Patrick's topics about how our, his, our true history is not really being taught. Right. And so then because of that, you have people who are looked down on and who are vulnerable and who are not seen as actual human.
0: Yep. Time's really tight. We got to move on, guys. We've got to move on. Sorry about that. All right. Truth, lies,
2: shenanigans.
0: All right, Mayor Patrick, you're up. Republicans are moving forward with banning race theory in schools. Tell us what's going on. Yeah.
3: Yeah, sure. So this is something that's happening not to, uh, not just in Oklahoma, but in different states around the country. But uh, but Oklahoma is the latest one to make news. Is that is that. Uh, States are Board of Education and state legislators are banning the, the teaching of quote-unquote critical race theory uh, in in schools and, uh, and and a lot of people since a lot of people don't don't know what what exactly critical race theory means they, they have to 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 uh, put it out there in a way that 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 schools can interpret, and and the one the language in Oklahoma. And I want to make I'm looking at this uh, in the article because I want to make sure I get it right. It says uh, they're banning lessons that include the concept that quote one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex, that a person's quote moral character is inherently determined by his or her race or sex, or that someone should feel discomfort, guilt, or distress on account of their race or sex. And the um uh, this the timing of this is very uh, interesting and problematic because. Uh, because in Oklahoma, uh, of course, in May, March or uh, May 31st, 1921, uh, was the start of the the, the Tulsa Massacre, uh,
0: mm.
3: where hundreds of of black people in what was considered then the um, Black Broadway, a very pro- very a very Wall thriving, i uh, sorry, yeah, right, sorry, no. Black black, no. <laughs> black Wall Street. That's
2: what we we're here for. Uh, black Wall Street.
3: Street. Uh, Was um, uh, was thriving at the time, and really a really uh, thriving culture. And My understanding about that was that was that it wasn't just it was it was a thriving thriving black culture in Tulsa, in part because black people had been pushed to Tulsa um, because they they weren't welcome in other places, and then and then they had this thriving culture in Tulsa that was that was devastated, decimated by by this uh, this this massacre where hundreds of people were killed. thousands made homeless or displaced uh and and really just completely completely destroyed the community and for and to be i mean at minimum this is completely tone deaf on the part of governor uh governor stitt from oklahoma and the oklahoma state legislator um uh at at, at worse um it seems almost an intentional way to just spit in the face i mean how how can you read a story like that as a white person amer in america and not feel and not feel guilt or shame about the fact about well, what has been done um, by uh, other, other white people in our history, and, and now they and 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 the the how can a teacher who's teaching in the Oklahoma schools still feel comfortable teaching about this history uh, because uh, because some parents is going to say that their that their white kids are feeling uh, guilt or distress because they're being told about the horrible things. That that white people have done, and they should feel discomfort or str- I mean, you know, guilt or stress. Uh, so um, my, my question is is why why is this happening now? Um, uh, why why do you think that the, this has become an, um, a big issue now that critical you know, quote unquote critical race theory is something that 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 people should feel shouldn't be, be taught in our in our schools? And, and um, yeah, why like why why now? Um, why? Why is this? Being, why is why are the state legislatures deciding now to take this up? I'm going to start with Lizzie because Robbie always gets mad at me for starting him first on these <laughs> questions.
1: <laughs> Patrick, I'm going to say because you know over the past four and a half years, um, these type of races were emboldened by the the 21st century führer, Donald Trump. You know he gave these people a voice and made them feel like okay you guys are victims you know we as white people in america we as white men in america we're victims we aren't as bad as everyone is portraying us out to be you know we're not racist we're not white supremacists. we aren't the kkk we are good people we are patriots and how dare we support an education that teaches something that is opposed to that i mean even look at you know over the week i think over the past week you know there was the retired army lieutenant i believe his name was let me see barnard kimter he was the retired army lieutenant who was giving a speech on memorial day and he had his mic cut off when he started to talk about the influence of african americans on memorial day Oh, really? how african- Americans played a part in the creation of Memorial Day. As soon as he got into the, and this was a white army lieutenant, a re, white retired army lieutenant mm-hmm. who was talking about African Americans and their influence in the creation of Memorial Day and the organizers for the event cut off his mic. Huh? They cut off his mic.
2: They cut off and his so live was, mic. Yeah. I didn't hear about yes.
1: that. Mm. And so there's a belief that, you know, only white history counts. Like we, we got away from that for a very small segment, Patrick. But then, you know, Donald Trump came in and gave these people power and he emboldened them and told them it's OK for you to be white and racist and not want to, you know, commiserate and, and diversify and be a part of. America, that is accepting to all people. So that's that's how we got to this place now. And all of these people, all of these governors and senators who are enacting these laws, they're friends of Trump. They're backers mm-hmm, of true. Trump. They're supporters uh, of yeah. Trump. Mm-hmm. It Party over
2: together. people.
1: Yeah. Oh, and exactly, mm-hmm. absolutely, Rob. Party over people. Party over people.
2: All right, I'll be yeah, it's uh, made me think of a Family Guy bit uh, where there's a couple of white guys talking, and they're like, "Hey, do you remember when? Do you remember when we used to have all of the power instead of just some, most of the power?" <laughs> and it's you know, so there's a lot of state leaders and their constituents that are reminding me of that bit because it's just it's ridiculous. If you keep people ignorant, you breed fear, you breed contempt. These are the tools of division education builds understanding of another culture's viewpoint and allows you to better empathize to actually understand about what is going on with someone outside of your peer group out of your upbringing and it's so important because well the world is a a small place now it's every nation is a melting pot there's someone from everywhere everywhere on the planet it's really neat. So we need to share our stories. We need to talk about history. And like Patrick was saying earlier, you know, feeling gross, just feeling gross, feeling that shame about what other white people have done historically. If I feel gross learning about my history means that I'm probably learning the correct version of the history because Mm. Mm. it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, population you or which demographic you belong to, if you go back far enough, your people have done some heinous shit to other people in order to survive, to get by on that next one. So we, we need to share those stories in order to really understand one another and be able to move forward together as one human race.
0: Yeah. So I hear my thoughts. So um, mm-hmm. now I know that this is not exactly what Stitt is doing, obviously, but I have a question for you guys. And I want to know, do you think it's easier? Because he did say, so as as Patrick said, he says that one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex. And so he doesn't want to teach that. And he doesn't want to teach the moral characters inherently determined by his or her race or sex. That's what they're not trying to teach. Uh, But the question I have for you Is it easier going forward by ignoring the past, but establishing from today, let's say today, and of course, Stitt is not doing this, not saying that's what's happening, but is it easier to ignore the past, start from today, and say, hey, we are all created equal, right? And boom, we just continue believing that everyone is equal. Or is it better to continuously teach about racism Potentially creating like a a new generation that kind of reiterates like let me explain why I'm asking the question because I've been creating these TikToks on racism racist songs and racism and a lot of TikTokers are young people so these young people watch my TikToks and they're like angry they get angry and they get angry at white people right they didn't know any of the stuff that i'm teaching them before they had no idea no concept of like if this happened tulsa all these other things that i'm showing them yeah. they didn't know and so they get angry at white people on the in the comments and they get angry and they start saying things and i'm like okay no calm down that's not what the purpose of what i'm doing here my purpose is to educate so i have a question is it causing a problem by bringing back up you know resurfacing all of the pain and all of the issues, is it more of a problem or is it good? And I just want to know for myself what you guys think, because I'm going to keep doing these TikToks and teaching people, so that's not going to stop. But I'm just curious what you think. If you're holding up a a mirror that makes me
2: feel uncomfortable, then I really need to look within myself why I feel uncomfortable with what you're showing me.
0: But I'm saying it's Mm -hmm. Black people that are upset with white
3: people. What's happening? Well, I mean, truth, I mean,
1: I'll, 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 go ahead. Truth hurts. What, it, right. regardless of who is angry or upset, the truth is is the truth. You can't sugarcoat it anyway. And to get yeah. to your original about equality, equality does not mean we're all the same. Equality does not mean no diversity. One of the worst things someone can say to me is if they walk up to me and they think they're, you know, saying something to me in good faith, but they say to me, I don't see color.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's the stupidest <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> it, 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 it's much easier to, yeah. it's much easier no to ignore race than color. Than coming from we a place to of color. A racial privilege. It, it, it's much easier to not see when you come from a place of racial privilege, and to ignore that history. Sure. That when you come from a place where 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 the history doesn't negatively impact you in the way that that it does for Black people in the United States. So the the um I, I you ignore that it puts a, that that history puts the present in context, and unless we unless we unless we know that history and understand that history, we're not going to understand the present. We're not going to be able to know what to do now. And when,
0: no. Exactly. And the thing I feel is like we're not going. We want to prevent it from happening again. That's the most important thing. Right. And those who ignore know their history
2: are doomed before. to repeat it. So if we're not talking about the residential schools, if we're not talking about the massacre in Tulsa, then these things will reoccur because those bad ideas will somehow live in the subconscious. And so we need to talk about it. To but is it, it creating division,
0: though, by talking about it?
1: I mean, we could, we could create division. Talking about the NBA playoffs, like that's not the point. You know, again, history is history, truth is truth, and a lot of times when you give people their history and where they came from, it gives them confidence because up until that point, they've been taught that they like Native Americans, like Black people, like even Asians and Latino people in this country, they Jews in this country, they've been taught that they were nothing
3: that it was just
1: the anglo white people who who had the foresight who had the brains to create america and so then when you start to go through the history books and you start to do some research you're like hold up wait a minute that's not the truth you know i come from not only a wealthy people but an innovative people smart people people that were engaging that gives you confidence it so, created
0: I mean, I something care. like a Black Wall Street out of the, the, the ashes of, of slavery.: I mean,
1: or created, you know blood plasma like Dr. Charles Drew. Like, it, there are tons of things Yes you know that we could all build upon if we look at our history. And I'm not just saying black history, I'm no, saying white right? history, Asian everyone's history. history. That should not be mm. the wayside because some people might get their feelings hurt. You know, yeah. those are and
3: people true. should be angry about people should be angry about the crappy things that have happened in the past. It's, it's, <laughs> yes. The fact that people are angry when they know when they under, when they learn about that doesn't mean that we shouldn't teach it. It means we should figure out what what how to how to address it, how to restore it, how to how to, how to find rest, restorative justice, how to how to, uh, address the problems that the bad things that happened in the past.
1: Yeah, and it also cre- it, it also corrects a lot of ignorance about who we are. In our history. I can't tell you the number of times over the past two years when I, you know, was at Howard teaching and you had students that were angry about Black History Month because it was in the month of February, the shortest month of the year, and the white man they're always trying to cheat us out of something. And I'm just like, but the white man did not create black history. I know, right? Look it up.
0: It's being
2: industrious, <laughs> getting getting the Nobody same amount a of shit on done that. with less days <laughs> in the month.
1: <laughs> if you don't know history, you're going to still be, you know, creating that division and being angry over something that is a false narrative.
0: Okay. So, All you know right, right, we got to I mean, get to these we... comments because we are way over in time. So we're going to have to make my my uh, my thing short. All right, we need uh, Fred Groves. We need to talk about how to help solve it. He also says no accountability. We are angry because it's not acknowledged. No accountability has been taken. daria Winter says the problem now is that people won't even do not even discuss how don't even know how to just not even know how no. to discuss race. Uh, mm. learn, the, learn the strategies of teaching. Um yeah, Jacqueline Robinson says there are Jewish people who were alarmed at the beginning of the previous administration because they recognized certain things from the 1930s we have to yep. teach our full history so that certain atrocities aren't repeated. That seems to be the, uh, the theme here. We don't want it to happen again.
1: There are people in this country who don't even know about the Japanese internment camps. They have no mm. idea yep. that that happened yeah. World War
3: so, II. And I don't remember ever learning about the Tulsa Massacre in, in school growing up.
1: There you yeah. go. Oh, no, we didn't either. Or, Neil, how mm. about this? We went to a high school named Woodrow Wilson High School. We were never taught that Woodrow, that Wilson, was, uh, Woodrow Wilson was a terrible racist. racist. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We were never taught that. Oh he was
0: and he was one of the worst. He was like he was right you know, after Andrew Jackson.
1: We, we we were never taught that. So right. learn your history, folks. Learn it. Learn it.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so we have to move on unfortunately. Um so great topic. A great topic, Mayor Patrick. Truth we appreciate you. Lies,
2: shenanigans.
0: Um. Oh, you know what I'm forgetting to do? I'm forgetting to ask the panel at the end. Oh, are we calling this the truth, truth lies, lies or shenanigans? Or shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Someone's definitely... still in
2: vacation mode. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're right. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've been on vacation, so we're we calling that truth lies or shenanigans. That was definitely, truth lies or shenanigans.
3: I'd say Governor Stitch pulling some, some nasty shenanigans there. Shenanigans, yep. Yeah,
0: shenanigans, shenanigans, calling shenanigans on that. All right, so I'm up next. Uh, all right, so Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida signed legislation uh, on the first day of Pride Month, actually, that bans transgender athletes from girls' and women's sports. He said about doing it specifically on the first day of Pride Month, quote, I think standing up against discrimination of our women athletes, I think that's the right thing to do this month, next month, or any month. He said further, what we did with the girls' sports bill was we're standing up against discriminating against our women athletes because the fact of the matter is if you force them to participate against biological males, that's fundamentally unfair. That's not a level playing field. We've talked about this before, and I think uh, for the most part, our panel agreed it was not a level playing field for to have transgender athletes participating in women's sports. But now that DeSantis put it into law and said what he said, what is everyone's thoughts today on, girl, on transgender girls and women competing in women's sports? Also, what are your thoughts on DeSantis doing this specifically? On the first day of pride month i'm going to start with that's
1: bullshit that's that's yeah hilarious. that's and, and i hate it actually
2: yeah. that, that's, a, hate I, it. that's a that's a deliberate that. attack yeah that's a deliberate attack and
3: that's just it demonstrates his character all right we, i think we're I'm all referring to from throwing something at my at, at him right now on the on my computer
1: screen well, let's
0: stick with the other question. So what do we think about transgender athletes in women's sports specifically? Hi, Robbie? I Robbie.: So, I, Yeah, I, I have to agree that
2: biologically, a biological male will, like I even did a little bit of homework on it just to make sure that I wasn't speaking out of turn. But whenever <laughs> you monetize anything. We're talking about high school and college athletes. We're talking about scholarships and potential salaries that are up for grabs at that level of competition. So it's a bit of a slippery slope. So I'm gonna say this, I'm all for promoting trans athletes. I'm all for fair and equal competition. I'm also for protecting athletic scholarships for biological women. So I honestly believe that the creation of a trans athletic league Will be the way to go in order to preserve everybody's right to compete fairly. And this is becoming, it's coming out, it, it's coming to the forefront more and more. And it's it's an issue that we are grappling with that people don't know how to deal with. And I think that just give everybody an even playing, an
3: even platform to compete in. I want, and, I'm
0: gonna go with Patrick next.
3: Okay. But, but they we're talking about kids in the high school level. I mean, Sure, there's a growing number of of trans athletes in high school and college. Yeah, but 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 also in the high school. I mean, there's a growing number of trans athletes that are coming out, and that's great. Um, do you? But do you really think we're going to have a trans a transgender athletic league? I, I I just don't see it really necessarily being being a feasible sort of thing. But um, even as they're growing, the the um, the the um, what 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 I think. I mean, this whole thing about trans. About trans women having a competitive advantage there's no there's no real evidence of that yeah. I mean the people who have the people who have who have been making that argument for a long time now uh, have never really been able to cite any sort of like it's 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 all anecdotal this sense that like because they they this idea that they you know they were born male or whatever um, even though that's it's much more complicated than that um, when you're talking about transgender people um that that they somehow have a, a benefit over over um, women cisgender female um, athletes. Uh, that it's based on it's based on on anecdotal ideas, and I think a lot of a lot of it's based on the preconceptions and misconceptions that people have about transgender folks, um, and not based on science. So so I do I think the I think we need to take a step back from this and look at what is the way to make make the playing make the playing field equal for everybody including trans, transgender athletes uh, and allow them the ability to to um to to to, to play and compete in sports like uh, like any other um teenager should be able to um i i also will say that that a lot of the leagues the ncaa um um a lot of a lot of local leagues have been allowing transgender people to compete on, a, on a, um, transgender women to play and girls to play in in, in girls leagues for a long time and only recently has this really become an issue. Uh, the, and, and a lot of it is because, it, it's because, frankly, there are people, there are conservative politicians now that are trying to play the culture war game uh, and make these things the issues when, they, when they've been going on for a long time without any, anybody seriously making an issue out of it. So, it, yeah, I, that's why I wanna throw things at Governor DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lizzie, let's go.
1: I want to throw things at Governor DeSantis, but I think for different reasons than Patrick, um, getting to the actual competition portion of it, there's a reason why there's a division between male sports and female sports, male sports, men's sports and women's sports. There's a reason why in most sports, two don't compete together against one another. There there are biological reasons for that, Um, but, listening to what Patrick's, what both Patrick said and what Rob said, I think one of the main things that's missing here, when you have someone like Governor DeSantis or other politicians who are involved in this, and they're coming from a political standpoint, they're coming from a fake me out religious standpoint, but the first thing Rob said was, I did my research. No one is talking about research here no one is talking and, and when i say research i don't mean like you know rob we're able to do quick research you know on google look mm-hmm. but no one is doing like exhaustive studies on this and how to make this a better situation and so yeah we talked about this a couple of times on on the show huh? i long since said that i don't know what my opinion is one way or the other because i don't want i am an advocate for lgbtq community i am mm-hmm. an ag advocate for transgender athletes however i do understand the <laughs> female athlete who is saying this shit isn't fair so we have to do some get serious you can't just make a law without understanding what yes. the actual issue is that's what you're, you're getting so to my point and research doesn't happen overnight this isn't going to be something that's going to be you know, figured out by the time the Olympics start next month. Yeah. like this is going to take a minute. You're getting too and much, I think right. any of these politicians are prepared to do that, and they are playing on people's religious feel fears, gender feels fears, all of that stuff, and that's what's complicating the issue. Yeah. that's what's complicating the issue. Okay,
0: so I did my research too, and I ran across this great article. Um, it's called "Let me see if I can pull it up real quick." Hold on. Striking the balance between fairness and competition, the rights of transgender, trans, sorry, can't talk for some reason. Striking the balance between fairness and competition and the rights of transgender athletes by Chris Supernat. All right, so considering that both are important, right? We, I think we all agree that both are important. Um, uh, he notes that the reason for women's sports was to create a level playing field for women to compete because when they were competing against men, that they couldn't. So that's why women's sports was created. Um, And he noted a proven fact that, and and this is a quote from him pound for pound, uh, men are more athletic than women, which is why women's sports exist. And the whole point was okay, I already said that. So (laughs) uh, now, for example, we wouldn't want to have children competing against adults. Why? Because there's this clear difference between skill levels. We wouldn't have. Children who are two playing, you know, competing against children that are 15 because there's a clear difference between them. You could look at the weight classes in uh, boxing, right? For example, there's different weight classes because you create a level playing field for each of the weight classes because it's very hard for a small fighter to compete against a heavyweight. Or, you know, we have the Paralympics, the Senior Olympics, the list goes on, right? Creating level playing fields. For players to compete, so um, he says, and he he actually pointed out that Serena Williams a while back had said, you know, you know, we can me and me and Venus can take on any player in the top under the not in the top two hundred top players in the world. We can take any male on, and then she actually played them, and they got swamped by a number two hundred and three ranked male player. And later she ended up saying that, you know, in the women's circuit, I would have those were all been winners, but he picked them up no problem. And I was like 1998 from what I'm seeing. Anyway, the whole point is I mean, he did. But
1: I was just gonna say, I mean, that's a good point. I don't think that's a a, a point you want to put here because we can go back to Billy G King, Billie Jean King versus Bobby Riggs, in which he actually beat, beat Bobby him. Riggs. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's. We can throw that to the way by the wayside, but I think what Serena was saying is, in that is that the average even if you're talking about tennis and just the average serve of a male athlete is way more than what the average serve of a female like there is a physical advantage mm-hmm. advantage there. all right There's so a advantage there
0: so this is the solution that he suggests right and let me try to so. He says, instead of excluding transgender women from competition, just like boxing, create another competition level instead of just men's and women's. And this is similar what to what Rob I mean. was saying, but instead of making it transgender, make it an open uh, division where men can compete in it, women can compete in it if they choose to. And of course, transgender can compete in it. Uh, and that way you have a, a relatively level playing field for transgender athletes. And in addition to that, and it occurred to me that it actually helps, because I was looking at this particular image where there were two transgender women competing against, this was Connecticut, I believe,
1: against- this high school?
0: I think this is high school, yep. And the two transgender men came in first and second, um, as expected, Um, but, what I realized looking at this is, it forces the women to compete harder. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So if you create something like an open division, um, mm-hmm. it's, it gives the women something like Serena and Venus. If there were an open division that they could compete in, that would be great for them to be able to compete in something like that and improve their own skills.
1: So then where is the incentive for the, the men to compete harder like why is the onus problem? well no it's it's, and, and it's, it's, it's the opposite with...
0: for men they can compete down because maybe if you're not in the top 200 you it's want to I'm but compete on a level playing field down,
1: but competing down is not com- not the same as competing harder you're you're taking yourself down. But that's a
0: where the balance comes in
1: though there is no balance if i have to work harder to compete against you and you have you're just you know running in okay you know, I didn't do anything over the weekend, I'm good. That's not fair at all, at all. Like the woman shouldn't have to compete harder. I'm not saying they if, should have to, that's what
0: I'm saying. There should be an open division where they can choose to.
1: But, but, you're, but, but the scenario that you're setting up is not to the advantage of the biological woman. If she has to go be above and above. She doesn't better, have to.
0: You keep saying have to, she doesn't have to. She would Why choose wouldn't
1: to. She wants to win. Why wouldn't she? She wants to win.
0: She can Why choose to compete against women if she chooses to,
1: or choose to compete in the open division. She but has the that language, choice. The language it's not a have to. Give, the language you said it would give them the opportunity to compete harder. Compete harder for what? If they're still competing against a biological male, chances are they're not going to win. They
0: can win. You just, you just gave a great example with Billie Jean King. And and this girl did not lose by a lot. Hold on, hold on. The girl in this did not lose by a lot.
1: She could have competed. Oh, we are talking about two athletes that are going to be high school, that are going to be in college, that are going to be professionals. And the Billie Jean King thing, that was an exhibition. That wasn't a real competition.
3: Sure.
0: And
1: he wasn't a good player
3: anyway. Let's be honest. <laughs> so. I I do think this raises some interesting questions about, like, because especially when you look at the high school level, like, what is what is the point of competition? And 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 you're really trying to get people to strive to be to be their best. You 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 are you. Uh, there's uh, the idea of of just focusing uh, segregating people off from gender and then having to compete against each other. I mean, shouldn't they? Uh, uh, you know, maybe I'm a little bit, maybe I'm being a little bit Pollyannaish with this, but shouldn't we be more mostly just encouraging folks to describe what what is what is to to be their best at their own achievement level, regardless of what that is? Sure. Um, so of, of
2: course, Patrick. But the problem is, even at the high school level, then there are scouts, there are college scholars, there are college scouts and scholarships that are being bandied about. So as soon as you monetize it, it becomes problematic because you have to find that balance that equation to create a fair and equal playing level so that everyone has equal opportunity to those opportunities because i mean whenever you monetize something there's scruples come into play and not everyone is ethical and some people are happy to make bad decisions to make a quick buck
3: yeah there's a lot of problems with that too
1: everyone's coming from a different point of reference like you have even high school students unfortunately who know that they have to compete and compete well to get their family out of their situation. And so if you change the the circumstances of the competition where they are at a disadvantage, they might not get that scholarship. Yeah, no. They not might not be able to compete and play They're- or get on the team at the college level and then advance to the Olympic. Soldier. They
0: mentioned some suggestions about like, doing a handicap as well, where you would take into account the difference in testosterone levels and things like that, and then you would give them, like, a, a some handicap, some calculation that has been... Uh, this particular guy, uh, Christopher, uh, he he didn't like part. the idea, but yeah, I, I didn't like that. the idea either. But, yeah. I mean, that, that was something that someone had suggested, and he's like, that doesn't matter. I, I so, mean, it's...
1: Again, like, like Patrick said, You know, and both Patrick and Robbie said, "Like these politicians are not even having the conversation that." That's my problem. That's
0: my problem. You don't just legislate something like this without coming up with a viable solution that works for both people, both both all both sides of the situation. You don't just legislate something like that. You wouldn't do that, Patrick. (laughs)
3: Right. can i just um can i just do, a, do a little bit of a timeout and point out one one thing that because I, that, I heard people make the comment because this is going to bother me if i don't say it okay. i heard people make the comment about um uh, calling somebody a biological woman um as opposed to a transgender woman uh, transgender women are biological women too uh but while uh, what the, the the bright term is transgender women and cisgender women that there's a lot that we don't understand about biology and, and what the way that a person's mind works, the way that, that causes somebody to be a transgender woman, that person is just as much a biological woman as a person who's a, who's a cisgender woman. So just wanna, I just wanted to do that little syntax correction.
2: No, and specifically, I didn't, I that unfortunately said. gets dropped quite a bit. And so, no, it's, thank you for the
0: refresher. Thank you. No, I, I know you want to say woman, something.
1: I don't necessarily agree with that, but I would I would respect the terminology. As a biological woman who you know has a menstruate, a menstrual cycle, as a biological woman who you know had a myomectomy, had to have fibroids removed, like I don't necessarily agree with that. However, I would respect the terminology if if that's what I am supposed to say because I don't. I don't want to be offensive to anyone and I want to be respectful of how the next person feels. Um, yeah. but there's a, there in my head, there is a difference in biology and that's not taking away from a transgender woman at all. Um, but there are differences and that's fine. To me, that's fine. But, and I often wonder because I've seen the word, I believe it's spelled Patrick C. Is it C Y?
3: Cis, cisgender, C I S gender.
1: So I remember the right. first time I saw that, I didn't even know how to pronounce it. I was like, "Oh goodness, I don't even know if I want to say it until someone tells me how I'm supposed to pronounce it." Um, I have no problem saying that. I have no problem saying that. Um, whether I agree with it, I might again. I might have to do my research.
0: This might end up I being our know. longest show. We have to move on, unfortunately. We really yeah. do. <laughs> this is our longest show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not.
0: <laughs> Actually, no. I think we so had a two-hour show. We did have a full two-hour show. We, we have had. We are show. not done the game show yet. Was, <laughs> we're we're, we're like going to get to the game. Trust me, the game show will that was go very
1: quickly. Before you came on, Rocky, that was when we had um, East and Jam.
0: Woo. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all right. So that is it for hot talks. I do want to get a couple of comments in because I saw someone online. Liana Jones says, "I think a league won't make sense because you also have transgender men born biologically female. Um, that will be a di- disadvantage uh that would be at a disadvantage against transgender women. It's so much to consider and to work out." Uh Olivia says, "Create their own league, call it a day, make it simple." Um there are is so two transgender. Laws. What? I'm just sorry. saying,
1: I'm w- agreeing with them and saying this is why we can't just throw out laws.
0: Right. Know, because... yeah, that, that, I have a huge problem with that. Um, so two transgender men to compete against two transgender women. Unclear explanation. Um, okay. So that's it. That's it. That's it for our hot topics. Thank you. Thank you for participating, Mayor Patrick truth lies shenanigans man that was uh that was deep <laughs> That
1: was well, deep. Right. What you, you know, you good week,
0: you <laughs> come back, <it's> <laughs> getting- we did have a lot to talk about it was a lot of time
3: you already you already dig back into dive back into the uh the deep conversation after last week huh? <laughs> we all
1: right no we gotta we gotta come hard we gotta all come right hard. let's run into our game
0: show we're gonna make this a quick game show Today's game, Pride Month Trivia from BuzzFeed. All right, real simple. We'll go around the horn. I'll read off the questions, multiple choice options. You'll answer. If you answer it right, you get a point. Person with the most points gets the coveted final thought (laughs) of the show. All right, so this was an example. We're definitely not going to allow anyone to take this one. What does the L in LGBTQ stand for? Any guesses? Love. That would be love. <laughs> love. <laughs> Lesbian. Lesbian. The acronym, which was evolved, has become more inclusive over time. Was popularized in the eighties. Okay, we are going to start with Mayor Patrick. In the U.S., what month is? Pride month typically celebrated. Would that be June, July? You gotta give me a harder
3: question than this. You gotta give me a harder question than
0: this. Come on. All right, we'll go to the
3: next one, of course.
0: What country holds the record for the world's largest pride parade? Would that be the USA, the Netherlands, or Brazil?
3: Wait, is this still me or this is you, yes.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Um I'm gonna go with uh, I'm going go with Brazil. USA seems too obvious.
0: Brazil, and that is correct. Record right. Brazil broke the world record's largest parade in 2009 with a whopping four million attendees. All right, Robbie Rock. Wow. What year did the first Pride marches occur? Would that be 1969, wow. 1970,
2: or 1971? 69 seems like the fun answer, but we put. Someone on the moon, then. 69, uh,
0: funny. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. I don't... I'm 71. 71. Let's see. That is incorrect. Incorrect. Uh, 1970, the Christopher Street Liberation Day March was held in New York a year after the Stonewall Riots. Some of the marches were also okay. held in Chicago, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. All right. True or false, Lizzie? Stonewall Inn was New York's only gay
1: bar in 1969. True or false? That's problematic. That's problematic. The only known gay bar?
0: It says the stone was only gay bar in
1: 1969. I'm gonna
0: say true. Really? That is false. I I don't know how you came up with the truth. I was thinking false all the way. All right. So the Stonewall Inn wasn't the only gay bar in New York City at the time. Bars like Starlight Lounge, Mayfair Bar, and Grill were also popular with the LGBTQ. But
1: see, this is why we need to do history. We need to learn history, people.
0: All right. This is the last round. So Mayor Patrick, you are up. And you're in the lead. So that's good. You got to get this right. If you get this right, you win. All right. Which important gay rights event happened after the Stonewall riots? Was that the National March on Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights, the Sip-In at Julius's, or the Cooper Donuts Riot? The Sit-In at I'm going to
3: go with it. Uh, I'd love to know what these other things are, but um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the National March on Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights. Let's see, that is correct,
0: correct. The nice. National March on Washington Lesbian Gay Rights, the first Washington March for LGBTQ rights, took place in 1979. It's estimated that 200,000 people marched with the aim of accomplishing five key goals, many of which remain unmet.
3: So that I believe it was 1993 that the, the National March on Washington happened. It's not saying it there, but I think it was 93. 93, okay, great. All
0: right. Well, I'm glad you know.
3: <laughs> look that up. Well, look thank out.
0: you for that. You are the winner of today's game show. I wish we had time for more questions, but good job. I would have won with one my- question. <laughs> <laughs> good job, good job. All right, all right. So we made it through. We made it through pretty quickly. We're not too far off. All right, before we close out, we do need to get in some shout outs. So let's get some shout outs. all right mayor patrick shout outs we are starting with you
3: uh um let's see uh, i'll do a shout out to my friend philip who i believe is still tuned in uh, after an hour and a half so
0: um <laughs> <laughs> all right philip philip all right robbie rock
2: i would like to give a shout out to my niece isla celebrating her seventh birthday this week and we got to see her which was absolutely amazing it's just crazy to watch these little ones grow up so fast. It's fast, amazing.
0: Man. They grow fast. Yeah. Lizzie?
1: Shout out to Gemini birthday. So, first weekend in uh-huh. June. Yesterday was my late brother Alexander's birthday. Today is my friend Dee's birthday. And tomorrow is Prince Rogers Nelson's birthday. Woo!
0: Prince Roger Nelson. <laughs>
1: Alright.
0: <laughs> if Fred, put on Har- some, uh, Fred Hargrove was still her on here, he would be... He'd be happy because he loves Crimson and Prints. All right. My shout-outs to my wife, Mel, again. She's my favorite travel companion. We had so much fun in Turks and Caicos. Beautiful back here, All right, Looking forward to our next trip, <laughs> my lovely wife. And since it's been two weeks, Olivia has selected two winners for our Pet Shenanigans of the Week. So let's start out with... First up is the cutest little peeking duckling sent in by Kelly Corelli Joyce. Oh, I, I love the Mario mushroom one up. That is so <laughs> neat. I didn't notice that before. So cute. You got to go on. You got to go on the Pet Shenanigans page and check out the video. <laughs> they are so cute. So Pet Shenanigans. All right. And second up, we have Pucky. Pucky for. This is Pucky. She's a beautiful black cat belonging to Erica Jenkins Bertrand. Erica Jenkins Bertrand. I mean,
1: Pucky is cute, but Pucky looks like Remy. Like, I feel like that's Remy. <laughs> I know. In the grass. <laughs> Hi, Pucky. <laughs> Hi, Pucky.
0: All right. To see all of our beautiful pets or post your favorite pets photo, make sure you join our TLS Pet Shenanigans Facebook group. The photo with the most likes and comments gets the TLS shout out each week and okay that is officially all the time we have for today i'd like to thank you all for joining us we hope that maybe you learned something gained a new perspective or even got some things off your chest don't forget like follow and subscribe and share tomorrow check out youtube for our youtube clips tlsshow.com and our next tls live show is on sunday april 13th at 4 p.m eastern
1: April? We going back to April? I did it again.
0: (laughs) I did it again. (laughs) June 13th, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific. We have a fantastic guest. TV reporter Jamie Perez will be here. And don't forget this Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Gianni Storm, Olivia E. going unscripted once again. And our winner... Our winner of the game show and our final thought of the day is Mayor Patrick. Mayor Patrick, please close He's us
2: out. Involve in <laughs> <all> that boa.
3: <laughs> sure. So, well, this is uh, it's Pride Month, of course, and it's a little bit of a strange Pride Month. A lot of Pride celebrations aren't happening, but I hope everybody finds a way to to, to celebrate who they are in their own way and the best way that they can over the next few weeks. Awesome! Awesome! Thank you, you guys so
1: have much. A Pride celebration in College Park.
3: Uh, no, there isn't a pride celebration, unfortunately, and a lot of the pride events in the DC Metro were, were uh, canceled. Actually, postponed until October. So I think there's um There's yeah. going to be some. you may be doing something then. The students are all gone for the summer now, too. So, uh, but 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 hopefully we'll be able to celebrate in, in true uh, in true pride fashion uh, in a few months.
0: We'll be looking forward to it. And don't forget, if you want to help support Mayor Patrick, go to patrickforcollegepark.com. Thank you, Mayor Patrick. Rob, Lizzie, our people behind the scenes, Jose, Olivia, and most importantly, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.
3: Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Take care.